Welcome to the Meltzone Podcast. This is episode 68. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And we're back. <laughs> uh, yeah, on this episode, we're going to talk about my new 3D printed headphones, my trip to the US visiting the Rocky Mountain Rap Rap Festival, and uh, my, I don't know, I, I after Rock, uh, Rocky Mountain Rap Rap Festival, I flew to Los Angeles to do one... A collab video I was looking forward for probably years, and I filmed a, an act drop video, a bit in, a different one uh, to the ones that you you might be used to with uh, William Osman. And uh, yeah, also in LA, I had the opportunity to have a Tesla as a rental. So we also have a bit of talk about electrical vehicles. And on the topic of EVs and energy storage, bit of a uh, bit of a question from you guys about uh, the DIY lithium iron phosphate battery storage system. Um, that's a question we answer. And of course, we also do have 3D printing topics. Uh, we chat about the Mark IV, the Prusa Mark IV, how it fits into the market, what sort of a future it holds for Prusa, um, and about another semi-announced product from E3D, the Revo High Flow that we can't really share much about at this point, but we do want to mention it uh, as well. What's on your head, Stefan? Those look those look different. Those look big, yeah. My my bows, I don't know. My QC25s, they're I think now like 10 years old and they're uh, they're not in the best condition anymore. So uh, yeah, I built myself at the end of the last year, I think over Christmas, the 3D printed headphones from Vector Finesse or something like that. Yeah, sounds plausible, yeah. Yeah, the drivers are not 3D printed, but like everything around. Right, the entire or... enclosure, the, the headband and everything. Yeah, yeah. 3D printed. It's it's, it's it's interesting seeing the the mini XLR coming out of either side. <laughs> that that that's kind of a giveaway that it's not yeah. normal headphones, but yeah. they look they look pretty nice. And the pads too, like that's that's the biggest thing about headphones in, in my opinion. Yeah. Those those printed it, as well? Uh no. Okay. Um so the pads come with a kit, of course, all of the electronics on the inside. There is a like a leather strap right here on the right. top. But yeah, everything else is 3D printed and custom customizable. And I don't know, I was the boring guy in the end and just printed everything out <laughs> of, black. I think, like, gal no, it's it's Galaxy, Galaxy Black, something, okay. something, ASA. Um, it barely shows sound. up on video, yeah. Yeah, they're, in, they're different to wear in comparison to my noise-canceling Bose ones because I hear still way more from the outside. Right. But the sound quality with the... 30 or even 40 millimeter drivers it's really nice it's different i i always need to get used to the sound of these in comparison to to my other ones yeah and probably they, they will sound different depending on which material you use to print them uh pla being more rigid versus yeah. uh an asa or abs yeah that's uh, a very nice experiment very very nice uh, thing to print i mean i've, I've got my, my my old biodynamics because they fit my face they fit my huge ears and they they fit well over glasses um that's the biggest thing with with headphones for me is like comfort wearing them so mm -hmm. i i've got the big over ears i can't do on ears um but it looks like those are very comfortable to wear as well yeah if we would be like really cool podcasters we would need to wear um uh just the apple ear pods the Oh yeah, the, the ear, ear pods. Yeah, that's what they're called. The wireless the AirPods. Ones. Sorry, the AirPods. Oh right, yeah, earpods are the ones. The with AirPods. The AirPods. Yeah. <laughs> AirPods Pro V two, whatever they're called. Yeah. 
but since we're both not Apple Apple guys, I mean, it would uh, work. Also, we would need. Yeah, they do work. Look, yeah. we we would need the 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 sure whatever SM seven B that um, we, we yeah yeah we're just uh, the, not the cool r- regular guys not cool. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you've you've done the, the the cool thing you went to the u.s the stressful thing for the well, it, for remurf these names Remurf. are getting a bit out of hand i i have to say <laughs> yeah they are but well so far it's only threes remurf murf earth all of them sound a bit similar but yeah it was the first year of remurf in uh, denver colorado which was really nice, really, really nice. Really enjoyed being there. It's right around the corner from where uh, Lulzpot is headquartered, isn't it? Loveland, Colorado? Yes. It, I think Lulzpot initially came from Loveland, Colorado. Uh, Colorado and um, Remurf was also in Loveland, Colorado. All right. So, but I think since Lulzpot was bought by... Someone. Well, I guess uh, so, so. Technically, it's Aleph Objects, I guess. Slowspot is just yeah. the printer brand, but yeah, yeah. You, you guys know which which brand we're talking about. <clears throat> um, I think they're not located there anymore, but they used to start also. I think in Loveland. <laughs> Such a cool name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, Loveland. Loveland is like an hour north of. Denver, which is really nice because it's easy to get there in comparison to <laughs> Murph. Murph, yeah, where it's like where three you... hours from every major city. <laughs> three hours from every major city and especially just like driving through Chicago, especially at the wrong time, is just horrible. So, um, yeah, it was really nice. I um, got there Thursday afternoon. I uh, at least finally decided to book um, a direct flight, <laughs> right? Which was like two hundred bucks more thing. expensive, but worth it usually. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Wow, well, the the thing that I told myself last year: um, if you're gonna go to one of these events again next time, you're flying business class because <laughs> it's a business trip. Nope. But like, th- I I won't spend like three and a half thousand bucks on on such yeah. a flight. So. No, no it's, business class for It's me. the thing that, that people from the U.S. often underestimate, like how much effort and money it is for people mm-hmm. outside the U.S. to, to get in. Because you guys yeah. are like, technically, you're an island from, from either direction. Either it's yeah. Canada. <laughs> and uh, I mean, from, from anywhere in Europe, it's an eight to 10 hour flight to even get there. And yeah. accordingly expensive. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think a normal flight from Munich would have been like 600 bucks, which is really reasonable. Um, but two-way but with a stop usually like in um i don't know either in uh in the uk or at i don't know charles de gaulle or something like that but to be honest it's something like that especially if there's the risk of missing a flight or something like that I just didn't want to go through that trouble. And it, I, the direct flights now to Denver and then back from Los Angeles to Munich was like a thousand bucks, which is reasonable. Right. And it's, premium economy would have been like... It saves you like five hours travel time. So It saves you fi- five hours of travel time and it saves you the risk of being stuck at an airport. 
um, you don't need to do like kind of the immigration twice or pick up your luggage and then check it in again when you're first landing right. in the US. It was a good decision. I, I don't regret it. And the thing is, well, I could have flown premium economy, but that would have been like twice the price exactly. for a bit more leg room. And I'm not a tall guy. So I just thought, yeah, screw it. Yeah. I'm going to be fine. And the thing with, with like basic economy is they, they nickel and dime you for everything. Um, yeah. I, I had the, what was it, Earth uh, way home on American. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, these overhead bins are only for the premium economy. These these overhead bins are only for the people who paid extra for the window seat. And it's like, <laughs> you pay extra if you're, if you're like front row. So you don't have someone in front of you and you pay extra for, it's like everything is just like, yeah, you're, Give give us fifty bucks and we'll give you a bit of extra comfort. But yeah, it's I mean six hundred bucks for for flight to the US and back like that's crazy. That is very very affordable. So probably the, the fact that they're like trying to squeeze a bit extra out here and there makes yeah. up for it. It's yeah. So, um, so yeah. How how was the event? Uh, I mean, <laughs> getting there and back that's like that's like your problem, but. Yeah. <laughs> how was the event you already mentioned it was like very well organized where where would i put it is it more like a, a like the streamlined professional well done earth kind of thing or is it a pig barn not well not quite pig barn that's, that, that's probably too much but is it the the, the chaotic uh grassroots murph kind of thing where where was it at so i have never been to earth so i can't really comment You've never in, been to earth i've Man, never been to earth such yeah. a nice event yeah so I can't really comment in that regard. So I only have the comparison to Murph. And Murph is also really nice to be at, but it always feels a bit like not super, I wouldn't say not well organized, but it's it's always a bit chaotic. Anyways. It, it has it has outgrown its original scope and the the organization hasn't caught up, I guess. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So for the uh, Rocky Mountain Rap Rap Festival, it was also their first time and they didn't really know what to expect. Um, when I got there Thursday, I also was at like just the venue hall and it looked so big and I thought, yeah, that's going to be such a nice relaxed event with a ton of space in between the aisles and things like that. Um, on Friday, when... People were putting their stuff in there. It already looked like a bit more cramped. And Saturday was just crazy. They had so many visitors there. Um, significantly more. Plan for, I guess. Exactly. Okay. Um, I think they had, uh, don't get me wrong, I think they had like two and a half thousand reservations for the two days. So they expect, like, I don't know. 1500 every day but i think saturday at noon they had already like 2000 people there and it got so crammed it got so crammed it reminded me of midwest rep rep festival in 2019 when yeah. we both were there where you could barely walk between the aisles um but i don't know on the one hand it's it's a great success for them that it worked, uh, that so many people came. Um, of course, for me and probably even some other visitors, it was a bit too cramped, but I don't know. They they did not know what to expect, and but it gives them a good idea of 
what to expect next year. And there's yeah. a similarly sized venue hall just right next to it. So next year they do have uh, the opportunity to, to just like double the size and make mm. everything a bit more relaxed. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we as, uh, I guess, media, um, we, we have uh, the, the event for us looks the, the perfect event for us looks way different uh, to the perfect event for exhibitors or visitors yeah. I mean ideally we'd want an empty space with just the people waiting for us uh, like mm -hmm. hey you want to shoot a video with me like, yeah. and nobody's walking in frame and it's quiet and, but that's not what a successful event looks yeah. like right so you kind of have to, to make do with what you get so Sunday morning, um, they only opened up at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was already there at 8 uh, because I thought it would open on uh, at 9 uh, to, to shoot some B-roll. And these two hours, they were so nice for me yeah. because I just could take the time, properly film everything that I wanted for B-roll and uh, just finish stuff so quickly. Because, of course, when you're at such an event i enjoy talking to people people want to talk to you people want to get signatures and, and stuff like that so i don't know after like the first half day had already passed i noticed that i did not really work anything yet and i, and I, <laughs> yeah. and I panicked a little bit that's um, that's how these events always seem mm -hmm. to go and then the last last day is just completely scripted. Like, hey, I'm going to talk to you at 11.30. I'm going to talk to you at 11.45. And then I've got that just completely planned out. But the first two days is just looking around and like, oh, day's already over. This was yeah. this was nice. But like, I didn't. <laughs> like, you, you're there to get work done, right? And work in that case is shooting video, getting some content. Yeah. No, I didn't finish anything yet. This is something, I don't know. I hope I can at least produce something until saturday but yeah we're gonna see um because yeah after murph i also went to la we will talk about that in a second so um i'm i'm still like a bit recovering from the stress of last week yeah. and just the jet lag that i had but <clears throat> yeah all in all the event was really nice the, the interesting thing was or the nice thing was um, there were there were a ton of exhibitors. Some of them I did not know yet. I think especially since they're even so even though like Denver is not really at the west coast, but it's more towards the west coast than uh, Murph yeah. and Earth, for example. So we had yeah. some exhibitors that were more from that area, and um, also especially just the um, the non-commercial exhibitors. Um, I did not know many of them so far. Um, at Murph, it's always the case that like 50, 60, 70% of the booths, you already know these guys because they have been there from year to year. year. Right. So it was really interesting to just see a different crowd of people there. Um, yeah, and of, of course, local people just from Denver, uh, from Denver who don't want to, to fly. But plus, it's also, yeah. like if you look at it, it's... it's <laughs> I mean, these, these scales are, are weird for us Europeans, but it's within driving range, I would say, from the West Coast. Um, so it's like... It's uh, a, a couple of people... thousand kilometers? No. So, so it's miles in the US, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I think it would have been like an almost 20-hour drive from, for example, San Francisco or, or LA. It is a bit of a distance. Um, there were some people... Um, I think even a couple of Voron guys, they drove 
Oh, yeah, to to Denver from Sacramento, San Francisco, somewhere, somewhere yeah. there, uh, because they had the, the big war on twenty four in the back mm -hmm. of their car, and yeah, that's that's kind of a drive. When I actually when I flew to LA, I thought, damn, shouldn't I have just like rented a car in Denver and then just took the opportunity to drive all the way to Los Angeles because I, I personally really enjoy driving on, on US roads and highways and it's just always the the landscape is usually really nice um, because it's so vast and open yeah. but on the other hand that would have been like two more days of like constant driving yeah. I mean if so. I, I just looked it up I, I, I vastly underestimated how far it was <laughs> going to be I saw a little Google map scale and I was like eh, ta, ta, ta. but it's 1200 miles uh from yeah. san francisco uh to loveland so yeah if you if you want to commit to it you could do it but yeah probably probably a bit of an investment um so so who did you see there what was there anything new so the war on 24 um i saw a bit about that um yeah what else um, so yeah, war on 24 there were some really interesting projects from a university or institute of uh, the University of, of Boulder um, uh, integrated resistors in 3D prints with conductive filaments to right. sense where at a part you're touching it. They did some like coffee 3D printing. Um, what else did I see? Um, yeah, just like the the, the, the typical maker stuff. Um, something typical, kind of that, that that seems so devaluing like yeah i saw the typical maker <laughs> stuff no well, but it's like modular 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 tool heads um we had um kits for putting a belt on a voron 2.4 so that you're not using the belt like for belt printing but to inject prints which i found really really oh, right. nice um Ah, uh, I didn't go through my through all of my footage yet, and I'm probably missing out <laughs> on on so much interesting stuff. I'm so sorry about that. Um, what else was interesting? Um, rotary, uh, rotary UV resin casting. I I already met that guy at, at birth last year, and unfortunately, he already packed up um, when. I wanted to film him, but what he, what this guy actually does is he prints two part molds out of a translucent like PLA PTG or something like that. Then he fills this mold with a bit of UV resin, and right. then he builds himself a fixture where he can actually mount that mold, which spins around that mold, and he blasts it with UV light from all of the other sides. Right. I mean, it, isn't that called like spin casting or something in the um, like yeah. model making? I, I feel like yeah. that's a common thing to do, but with two-part yeah. resin, of course, um, yeah. that you mix beforehand, yeah. and then it just slowly cures. Yeah. That's interesting. So you get, a, I guess, a controlled thickness, shell thickness, uh, much better yeah. than, you know, if it... If, yeah, because you, 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 you yeah. like evenly exposing. That's, exactly. That's a, that's a cool approach, yeah. That's that's a cool approach. And the thing is, it's it's really quick because, um, of course, UV resin hardens within a minute or something yeah. like that. You can't go uh, too fast because that is going to cook over, which I've done before. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's literally going to burn. But yeah. Um, 
it is an it is an interesting concept. The yeah, um, I'll I'll do a bit of footage on that. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't show really interesting parts, but I I just find the idea interesting, and I do see applications for it. And of course, you can you can integrate electronics in your like rotary casts and things like that it's sure it's like any yeah. any molding process um you can yeah. do like the, the threaded inserts um just put them on, yeah. the, on a mandrel in the yeah. um in the negative mold and yeah. then it's gonna yeah. yeah so many opportunities so um, many opportunities if, yeah um, and then yeah. just <sighs> the interesting thing was and i think this was like one of the firsts uh usually like on every second booth in the past you could see a prusa printer just like an orange printer somewhere be it a mark three or a mini right. this year everything was voron like right. basically every other desk had a voron on there of course the Warren guys brought like 15 yeah. 15 of their own printers but it's it's an interesting development Look, there's mine in the background. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I've had I've had my Warren in the in the last video and just in the background as as like a prop piece, and I was like, yeah. "Damn, this thing is from 2019 or something." No, not not 2019, 2021 uh, when yeah. I built it. Um, so it's two years old. Well, that's yeah. only 2023. God. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's a two year old printer at this point, and it's still like a good machine. So yeah. uh, I'm 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 impressed. Uh, I don't. I don't use it nearly as much as I should. Um, but yeah. Well, you, you, I, it seems that you also use it more as a tinkering platform for some yeah. projects. Be it like your your tool plate ejection system. Right. It's it's a good platform for that. Right. Um, and it's the only big printer that I have right now. It's the yeah. only three hundred by three hundred uh, millimeter printer that I have. Yeah. Uh, the other ones are are two fifty at most. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's good. It's good for that, and of course, yeah. with the, with the huge nozzle on there, it's it's not optimized for print quality, but it it can spit out parts mm -hmm. fast. Yeah, yeah. I unfortunately also tinker with it too much, so I thought I would just build it and leave it as it is, as a like reliable system. But then I changed the tool head and the hot end, <laughs> and now I got some. I don't know a new coupling system for the bed at Remerve. And um, so I need to get it to a state again where it's just sitting there. And if I need to print something big, it's going to go on that machine and, and I'll be fine. It's because I, I need these printers that just work. Exactly. It's the curse of the of the YouTuber yeah. where you <laughs> not only do, do you need something to print stuff with, but you also need something to tinker with. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Maybe Maybe also... One last thing talking about exhibitors um, and I, so we talked about that before and we, we weren't aware that it was like official or kind of official yet, but E3Ds showed some interesting stuff. Um, for once, um, belt nozzles, I think uh, Pooch from Repcord really... <laughs> Did a, a huge party once once uh, he he got his hands on yeah. some of these. These are just like basically extended Revo nozzles that have a a slimmer um, a slimmer nozzle tip that you can use it for for belt printing. Because well, I think not, some not guys slimmer. the the ring stays the same. Yeah, uh, the colored ring, but it's just it's extended. It's like an yeah, extra acorn shape out the front, basically. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, and this has its applications in belt printers. 
but also like uh, it's a really nice nozzle for non-planar 3D printing. So yeah. looking forward to that. I unfortunately I was stupid and I um, didn't ask to to take one home with me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I still I'm need to sure reach out. You can get your hands on one if you. If you yeah. But you know how it is with like the UK not being in the EU anymore. Oh, getting that's get it, getting things shipped from E3D at the moment is just horrible because you always need to deal with like import stuff and uh, it's it's just um, annoying. Doesn't doesn't uh, don't they have like a, a couple of resellers that have like the whole thing, but not probably not the bleeding edge stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. So usually they they ship me the stuff from the UK and it's it's sometimes a bit of a pain but um I will be able to cope with that for for interesting parts. Yeah. And yeah, another thing as I said I I wasn't aware that it's already official but Georgia announced that um we're going to see a Revo high flow high flow nozzle soon which is really cool. The exact details of which we have been asked not yeah. to disclose even though the notice they put in the email they sent out is not legally binding in germany because we didn't sign an nda but we're gonna uh, yeah. uh, uh, we're gonna respect our relationship we have with with e3d and yeah. not disclose more than mm. they asked us to so yes e3d revo high flow nozzle is gonna be a thing i don't know what else i can say without them getting upset but Yes, high flow. Looking forward to that because, yeah, this was... They started shipping um, Obsidian uh, just just like recently and now even having, having a high flow option is uh, something that um, will just like make the system really usable for a lot of applications because this this was honestly one of the reasons I deinstalled my Revo <laughs> hotend from my Waron again because I was fed up with not having any um, like wear resistant or high flow options in there. Yeah. But. Well, that's one of the downsides when you have a patented <clears throat> hotend system that I'm going to add even more patents to. It's like you, you what, what they provide, that's all you get. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I just thought of something else else what did i see there as well uh, i don't remember anymore yeah with with the with the high flow um nozzle they are also gonna sell 60 watt heater cores so oh, a bit so. more power okay okay e even faster heat up times and of course if you really want to push like a lot of material especially through the um, thicker nozzle diameter nozzles at some point you will run into heating problems so they they yeah. are going to tackle that with a 60 yeah. watt heater um, especially because the the revo already has a, a heater core that has a bit less power than v6 it does transfer it better into the filament mm -hmm. uh, but like if you run out of energy that he mm -hmm. that you have available then like it doesn't mm -hmm. matter how well it's gonna how well it's yeah. getting transferred in there and the thing is, I don't know how much you have used your Revo's, Revo nozzles um, so far, but their silicone heater socks, they suck so much. Uh, they're getting brittle so quickly. Um, so if you are regularly printing at a bit more than PLA temperatures and switching, switching your nozzles over right. and over again, these things will just crumble apart. And if you're having... Um, like um, a really powerful cooling solution, like as for example on a, on a stealth burner tool head, um, 
this cooling will suck a ton of energy just from the nozzle mm -hmm. itself. Right. And the 40-watt heater core is okay up to some point, but yeah, you, I think it's a good to, thing to have a more powerful to one. To lower your, your fan percentage, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, I was just reaching over to the Mark IV, and I was like, uh, "Does this thing have a sock?" And it does. Oh not. yes, yeah. That's something I want. I wanted to say. Um, I so this is pure speculation there, but I think you even mentioned that in your video that a high flow solution for the Mark IV will come from E3D. Well, the Mark IV hardened is made by E3D already. Exactly. So it's it's. Um, I think that is that is public information. I think it's even mentioned in the yeah. video. So it's manufactured by E3D, but it's not a Revo um, because Prusa wanted to maintain that compatibility with the adapter with standard E6 yeah. nozzles. Um, and as I said, this is just like a pure speculation. I don't know anything about that, but I suspect that maybe if E3D is now also able to ship high-flow Revo nozzles, there might be something very similar for um, Prusa as well. Uh, uh, I, I, uh, I don't uh, I don't do you think know. that they rather just say okay if you want to if you want to do high flow use a CHT nozzle with the adapter I don't I don't I don't know which way Prusa would, would go here but I think since there is the opportunity to use uh, the regular CHT nozzle I think that mm -hmm. might be a simpler I, I don't know I don't know what the the uh, the product strategy is from Prusa at this point with the machine and the first-party nozzles. Um, mm. I I don't know, and I have yeah. no I have no information about mm. what's coming and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, at, so at least they're finally listing the replacement nozzles on the Prusa web store. How much are those? Cheaper than than Revo's? Uh, Thirty bucks, which is kind of expensive. Exa exactly the same as Revo then. Yeah. I think Revo was even cheaper in the beginning. I think you get brass Revo nozzles for 26 bucks or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, talking about the Mark IV, you have one, I have one. This this all happened between the last episode and this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was that was quite the, the launch. Uh, <laughs> Positive and negative. Um <laughs> Yeah, so so of course the thing that that three D printer companies haven't gotten particularly good at is like managing launch windows and timelines and stuff. Um, and with Prusa especially, it was like, yeah, we're releasing the Mark IV tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, do do I get the opportunity to cover anything? And yeah, thankfully they're three hours away from me, so I I just drove over there. Um, but yeah, the kind of kind of weird with like E3D and the Obsidian, where it was back and forth for a year. Oh, we're gonna launch, mm -hmm. we're not gonna launch, and then it's like, oh yeah, here it is, it's it's out now. Uh, so that at least is better with the Revo High Flow now. They 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 do have a bit of a lead time or a wind up time for that. Um, but Mark IV is out, and it's gotten mixed feedback, mixed uh, <laughs> mixed resonance, I guess. And it's I'm I'm still trying to come to terms to what this machine is because it's if if you're coming from the standpoint that like the Mark III 
is a good machine and was like it was the same price and it's not cheaper and mm-hmm. um, if you come from the standpoint that the mark three was a machine that was worth buying because it's a reliable thing and it's like not particularly fancy or anything but it's just it's just good at what it does then the mark four is just a better version of that yeah. but on the other hand if you look at it like yeah this is a this is something they're releasing now and it's not just a continuation of what was there before it's like yeah i can see how it's maybe a bit expensive for what it is but then again if you're asking that question like is it too expensive then maybe it's not for you in the first place mm. it's it's drifting in the, the towards the, the ultimate territory where like the s3 whatever they're called now mm. the basic ultimaker is what three and a half grand and it's Something like, like that, yeah. it's not a particularly impressive printer in any way at this point. Um, but people are buying them. People are yep. buying them for reasons that... Companies are buying them. That too, yes. <laughs> Which are still people. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a different set of features that maybe doesn't appeal to like the the, the rep rap diy person mm. anymore. It's like, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a... It's a tough machine to look at, right? Plus the it's, entire the entire uh, pitchfork attitude between or around around Prusa in general. It's like eh. between Pr- Prusa and Bamboo. So, of course, yeah. like the big comparison is uh, if you're just gonna take a look at at the data sheets, the Bamboo Lab printers are as expensive or less expensive as a Mark IV and are like better in every regard. They're faster. They have a bigger print, uh, print volume. They work kind of just as well with like a good working slicer. And I don't know yada, my, yada, yada. my 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 bamboo uh, stopped working after the second print, and I spent a day trying to get the hot end to to work again. <laughs> um, I don't know. But then again, yeah. people are having problems with the Mark IV too. The um, and Pooch yeah. Pooch was posting about it. Um, he got like a, a model that did a whole bunch of stuff wrong that didn't work um, out for him. Uncle Jesse. Oh, was was it Uncle Jesse? Yeah, okay. sorry, Uncle Jesse. Yeah. Got him, got him mixed up. They're, they're, those two guys are too similar. <laughs> but that was just, I think, stupid from Prusa because they have all of their self checks. And as it looked, um, the problem on Uncle Jesse's machine was that they s- so they have the body board on the on the tool head. Yeah. They switched the cables of the part cooling fan and the hot end cooling fan. But so. Oh no! It didn't. It, it's not going to get caught, right? It it should get caught because it has the um I don't know the, what's the English oh, right. name for that the, the tachometer yeah, the cable R- RPM. The, Did they spin at different the, RPMs? At least exactly. they should. But I guess well, all they're checking for is like, does it spin? But they're doing the self check when you get the new machine and yeah. when you turn it on, they check all of the fans and somehow. I don't know. This check didn't didn't catch that. I'm not 100 percent sure if that was really the problem in the end, but uh, it was at least plugged in the wrong way, and he he got um, he got um, heat creep all of the time. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess <laughs> I guess that does make for a good experience when your fans are yeah. swapped. And the thing is, um, what the it, Mark IV does in comparison to, I think, basically all of the other machines, it measures the temperature of the heatsink and adjusts the RPM temperature of the ah. hot end cooling fan. So in his case, what happened, I guess, was that um, the fan 
or that the printer noticed that a hot end cooling, uh, that the hot end or the heat sink got hot, but it, it just increased like part cooling. So, yeah, that's not going to help. Uh, I mean, ideally, that's. I've seen some stuff. I've, I mean, I've, I've, I've gotten a, a bit of a tour of the of the Prusa headquarters at the time, um, but they're, they're doing that in a couple ways. But ideally, you shouldn't be able to plug in the wrong fan into the wrong output. Ideally, you know, Pokeyoke. Um, it's the, yeah. the exact same thing where you have a different connector on one fan that yeah. physically doesn't fit. Yeah. Not to discredit the people who are assembling these machines, but yeah. like everyone has a bad day. Everyone makes a mistake here and then. I do too. And the more ways you have to avoid or, or to, to prevent those mistakes from happening in the first place, the better. Yeah. Um, and that's just, yeah, that's an oversight that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if it does happen, it should be caught. Yeah, and this is one of the things that I also criticized in my video. I I felt a bit upset that I only had like a good one and a half weeks working with the, with the machine until I did my first impression. But since I was away now and I'm now doing the videos for uh, Rocky Mountain Repra Festival, I would have been probably so late with my video that it would not have been worth like spending That's the, the thing too now the like, twelve hundred dollars that I paid for my machine. <laughs> That's the thing too now. It's just yeah. not worth covering yeah. stuff when it's out for a month. It's just and when and when you need to pay for the machine itself, it wouldn't have been as bad if I would just have gotten it for free. But since like, well, I think probably you were one of the only ones that that got a f uh, 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 a free mark for, and you even had to pick it up yourself at the factory. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, they they got something out of it as well with uh, yeah. day one coverage. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I had to do something on it, and one of the big criticisms that I had and that I'm still having is, of course, hardware is finished and it has been finished for a while. Just looking at, for example, the diecast frame, and if you're looking at the die marks, you know that those frames were made like almost a year ago now. Yeah. Um, but I would have expected that the the software is in a way better state as it is at the moment and it's not missing like the key features that people are nowadays expecting from such a machine it doesn't have any input shaping even though it does not make like it, it doesn't make as much sense as on a on a voron or in a bamboo printer people want to have that mm. and if you're going into the into the Prusa shop this is the first feature that they advertise their fast printing with input shaping yeah. and then, then it just just says in like small letters yeah we're gonna have an alpha version at some point in the next weeks and no i think that is bullshit yeah um it's and Look, we're criticizing uh, low-cost companies for like doing the yeah coming soon and the promising yeah. stuff at the point where we're selling it to you, and right. then it may or may never arrive. But now Prusa is falling into the same trap where yeah. they're now open to criticism about yeah. the exact same thing. So yeah. like, they're, they're they're kind of they're giving away the edge they have, yeah. the edge where they're like, oh yeah, we're actually a more reasonable, we're better, whatever company than than everyone else, and they're doing the same stuff. Mm. The question is: Would have been would it have been better if they would have just like released an unfinished version of input shaping that kind of worked, or is it actually the better and more reasonable way to 
kind of tell everyone, yeah, this is going to be something that we will release in a bit. And w once we re release it, it is a well-working feature because what people are expecting from a Prusa is to have a reliable machine. And this is the reason why they're paying um, over a thousand bucks in compared to uh, compared to like a Sovol SV, I don't know how they're all 06, called. yeah. 06, which is 250 bucks and basically like a, a, a copy of the Mark IV, which does work well. Mark III. So uh, Mark III, yeah, yeah sorry. Feature-wise. Um, yeah. I've not tried one yet, but I've, I've heard that a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. At, I'm, at I'm, least, I'm at least torn having, a bit. Yeah, um, maybe not having it enabled on the machine itself, where it's like a checkbox, hey, I want the unstable feature, but the option to try it out. Yeah. Um, though I... I don't have the impression that at the time when the Mark IV was released, the input shaping firmware was particularly stable, um, was particularly yeah. well done. So I don't know if it would have been better just to wait a month. And it, it feels like the release was quite rushed. I don't know why they why they needed to release it like right then and there, like right on that day. Um, but I feel like they could have waited a month and, and just gotten much better uh responses or, or, or at least waited to to remove uh and presented yeah. it there in, in person i don't know this is maybe one of the reasons so they released it two weeks almost two weeks before remove no two weeks before remove and now the festival season is starting so now there was remove then last weekend prusa has also been at the kyoto maker fair and now all of the like US festivals are happening. This I think Prusa's currently like touring the US with like five, six, seven events yeah. the next weeks. So of course it makes sense to release it before that to have it to have it there and show it to the people. Um it's still a good machine. It's still a good machine, but I I'm it's... I'm upset that these things were not finished even though the hardware has been finished for so long. Yeah, and it's a it, it to me it feels like uh it, it has a different vibe than the mark three the mark three was this yo we are opening up this new era of 3d printers where you're going into market that is ender threes and it's mm. it's the classic dump machines going towards yeah we've got sensors now we've got quiet printers and these things are getting refined the mark four mm. is is more of a catch-up um i'm sure mm. it does the things i've i've, I've done couple of prints on mine like, right I've, I've, I've not used it much i've not printed much in general but um it feels a lot like they're just trying to catch up to what is out there now and i'm i'm, I'm not sure like what direction prusa is coming from whether that's because they look with with prusa slicer right they've got a mm. they've got a, a significant amount of people i think it's like two dozen people or something working on prusa slicer um that they're developing and then make an open source, which of course does that make sense? Is that is that idiotic in the end? Just saying, hey, we, we, we're committing twenty people to this software that we're giving away for free that others then can use and get a head start. I don't know. I don't know if that's like a, a company philosophy mm -hmm. thing that maybe needs to be corrected given the current state of the of the market or. I don't know, but it, it it like I said, it's a different vibe to the machine. It's more mm. of a we're trying to get up to date versus we're trying to set the pace. Yeah. Um, I guess if they wouldn't have released it now, it at some point it would just have become obsolete. Um, so yeah. either release it now with an like an okay machine or a, 
let, let me put it this way. It's, it's a good machine, but if you want to do high speed printing or like in, a, in like, um, higher strength materials, ABS, ASA, nylon, and all of that stuff, yeah. it's not the perfect machine for that. But if you're just constantly doing like 24 hours, um, a day PLA PTG printing, it's, it's a good, it's a good and reliable machine. That's the thing. Um, it's, it's not just a good machine. It's probably one of the better options you can get. Um, mm. it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, mm. it, it's, it's for, for the entire Prusa company. It's, it's this the point of decision. Like, is this all that they're ever going to be? Is it going to be mm. the, not, it's not an I3 anymore. It's just a Mark four, but is it going to be the, the mental platform, uh, mm. forever or, you need to get the door. No, I think okay. my wife's downstairs. Um, is it going to be this that they're known for? And this, like, is this all they're ever going to be? Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, that they also kind of hinted at, yeah, now that this is out, we're going to have a new platform that we can experiment on, which to me sounds like mm -hmm. they're doing something like even more software based, like a, some small printer that does the input shaping feed mm. forward extrusion etc that is more reliant on that and, and kind of steps out the trodden mm. path like if that is something that they can manage mm. to pull off and do well mm. great but if they can if they cannot then whew, I, I don't know yeah especially because the XL also gonna be a bit of a niche printer um, of course, it's a big printer, but for like the print size, it's expensive. And the I think the unique feature in that machine are the multi-tool heads. But not everyone needs a multi-tool head, especially considering the price of them. Yeah. Um, so I think many would have hoped to get one of the. They have this printer wall thing with the like smaller size Core XYs. Yeah. I think it would have been the way better move to just take one of these machines and sell it as a new it, it would not have been a mark four because it's not an i3 mendel design whatever but to 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 sell a small kind of reasonable uh, reasonably priced core xy 3d printer because this is what the market currently wants yeah but for that i feel like they're they're too stuck in their ruts yeah. Um, so, like I said, it's and it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough. Enough. For, we have we have yeah. one Prusa topic every every episode. So. Yeah. Um, well, so, so somehow our uh, orange Prusa Lamborghinis need to be paid for. Yeah, but you. Yeah, you. You, you finally had the the Tesla thing. Um, yeah. Uh, I finally had my Tesla experience. Not sponsored by Prusa, but. <laughs> You it finally got to, to, to drive, uh, you, you, were, you were in the States, you finally got to drive that all-American mm. car. Okay, so let me begin with my U.S. car story. So, and, and that started in Denver. So I landed in Denver, I got to the rental car company, I got um, like a mid-sized SUV from Ford, brand new, 40 miles on it. Right. I got on the highway. Uh, I really enjoyed, I I started enjoying my business trip because before I was just really, I don't know, uh, jet lagged, tired and yeah. whatever. I don't know. After 20, 20 miles, I had an engine engine failure on that, st <laughs> that stupid nice. 
brand brand new brand new um uh. so it took me like one and a half two hours until i until somebody arrived to tow me back to the airport to the rental station <laughs> uh then get a second car and then and then drive or then i drove to loveland um so this is how my like rental car story started and i don't know then i um after rocky mountain rapper festival i flew to los angeles because i thought if i'm already like in the area i need to i don't know use my time as efficiently as possible in the air uh, 1200 in, miles away <laughs> this was i don't know something that i really didn't expect bef before i Uh, before I like took a look at at the map first, that then we're still so far away from the west yeah. coast. Well, anyways, I flew to This LA, got to um, the rental station again, same vendor, um, and I don't know. I have only like booked a, a mid-sized car, a Jetta. Um, well, you, you uh, get like the just the class. Jetta the or similar. Yeah, I, yeah I, usually, exactly. I usually just book the, the smallest one they have, the cheapest one they have, because yeah. they never have those. They never have like the <laughs> subcompact, whatever. They only have full size or mid size, and then you just yeah, get yeah. the free upgrade usually. Yeah. Uh, but she then wrote on my voucher thing, yeah, gold. And the gold were like the more premium cars. Hmm. I thought, okay, that's fine. Uh, went out there. There were a couple of like bigger cars and then also one tesla and i thought yeah damn it should i take the tesla i was a bit scared because i did not know how it is with charging and i don't know but then i just thought yeah well this is the opportunity for for, for you because i always wanted to drive an ev for a longer time i wanted to try out on tesla how it is how it is driving one so i thought yeah i thought yeah just screw it i took it um the guy that just checked my car and, and my voucher when i left the the rental car station he also i don't know chatted back to the guys in the office and and yes, asked them okay. how, how i even yeah. is that okay um but yeah i got it um drove to the hotel and next day i uh i did my first like drive um and after 10 minutes on the highway someone rear-ended me oh god <laughs> uh. Uh, i am so it was a tiny bit my fault because like the recuperative driving breaking, yeah. is breaking is still something that i'm not so used to so i just went off the gas pedal and it decelerated quicker than i thought but it wasn't heavy traffic and the other guy behind me also didn't really like pay attention and he yeah he just i don't know touched me <laughs> that sounds bad it touched me a bit in he the touched, back he touched my rear end yeah um uh he rear-ended me um that doesn't sound any better now <laughs> yeah uh, this guy didn't seem that he wanted me to stop and i just thought yeah that, that stupid car is insured uh it's way more hassle now calling the police and i don't know stuff like that and he just drove off uh at the next um at the next uh, exit i just said yeah it's it's not gonna be as bad that bad uh, okay okay <laughs> that, that that wouldn't have been my reaction but it did not sound as horrible and like 
the the rear camera was still working nothing was like s s slipping on the road and i just said yeah it's gonna be fine the car is insured his car i didn't see anything on his car uh it was definitely his fault so i just thought yeah screw it i it's insured um it's way more hassle to call the police and discuss with that guy at like on the shoulder of the highway what we're gonna do now and yada 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 so yeah it, it wasn't that bad um some scratches at the rear fender rear yeah is it fender yeah um the good thing was the previous owner or renter they already got a couple of scratches in there as well so nobody knows <laughs> that there was like one more that i did so i okay I, so it was... I did not even have to discuss with Okay, with uh, the guys at the at the rental station that at the end. Okay. At the end. Yeah, I mean, you, you started out like, "Hey, I got rear-ended," which usually is like, "Yeah, the car is totaled." No, <laughs> that's usually what you get if you have a, a traffic backed up. And yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. Okay, but yeah, it was a really nice experience. I I drove with your car for like two miles or something like that once. Oh, you had the what was it? Was that the Leaf? The, it was still the Leaf. Yeah. Yeah. It oh, what a piece of junk. God, I'm so glad I got rid of that. Uh, but that basically was my own, uh, my only EV experience I had so far. So I think all in all, I drove like five, six hundred miles with a Tesla yeah. over the three days. So how is how is charging handled with rentals? Uh, do you just pull up to the supercharger, plug in, and then it gets billed to your account? Okay. Yeah, exactly. This is something that I feared would not be as simple, but it was really just as simple as look for a supercharger. And it's really interesting in the Tesla. So you look for superchargers, they're telling you where they are. And then they're also directly telling you uh, which the current rates are because the current rates depend right. on got, where the chargers are and what time of the day it is. Yeah, they've got time variable uh, charging. Yeah. yeah. So the first time that I charged was like in at one o'clock in the morning. And it was super cheap, usually, yeah. Twenty-two cents. Oh God, so that's that's a, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, but like the second day when I charged at just like right around noon, it was almost fifty cents per kilowatt hour, even in the U.S. I mean, still compared to, to Europe, like our standing charging rates are like sixty-five cents now. If you okay. go to the to the uh, to the rapid chargers. Um, yeah. If you have like some, usually you don't like, okay, so Tesla is its own thing with the Tesla app and whatever. Mm. Um, but usually if you go to like third party chargers, you mm. have one provider that then builds it with the actual operator mm. of the charging station. No. And if you have like, I, I think I'm, I'm at uh, with, with ENBV, um, they have like a 65 cent per kilowatt hour, okay. uh, no monthly rate, but you just pay for mm. pay as you go. And they have some with like six bucks a, a month uh, base plus less per, whatever. But still cheaper than than you would charge here. So yeah, still pretty good. Um, yeah, of for, course, for that, you, if for that that does make it more expensive than than driving gas in the US if you if you charge for 50 cents. I think it depends on the car that you're driving. So I had um, <clears throat> my second rental car in Denver was a Cheddar, a Cheddar, which was like really fuel economic. I drove it with like uh, 50 miles per gallon, almost 50 miles per gallon, which is like really good. Um, if I compare it to the, I think I had a, a Ford, 150 something pickup truck last time when I was 
when okay, I was at yeah, Murph. That doesn't get 50. <laughs> no, that was probably, I think, getting 20 or something like yeah. that. Uh, so if you're looking at the fuel economic, uh, fuel economy, economy of, of True, like compared to pickup not, truck to not, a Tesla, yeah, it it's is not comparable. Kind of similarly priced, uh, but if you're comparing it to a more fuel efficient car, it is more expensive. It yep. is more expensive to charge there. But it was if you it was a nice fifty cents. Yeah, if you charge it fifty cents. But um it was really quick, so um I don't know what the max allowable charging rate on my car was, but like the two times I was there, it charged with a hundred and forty kilowatts. I was going to say, I think it's like 175 with the model, yeah. model three, right? Model As, three was yeah. that, but with the lithium iron phosphate batteries. Right. I don't know if that makes a difference. I think it does, but they've got so many different versions now. Like, pfft. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was um, still really nice. So like both of the times I was there for like 15, 20 minutes and it charged like 50% points of, of the battery yeah. back up. That's that's just the common thing though. That's that's how I drive yeah. mine as well. Um, yeah. Um did you did you have the autopilot or at least the auto steer on on highway whatever it's called? So on my third day when I drove to Matter Hackers I finally found out how the self steering works. Um right. so the um automatic cruise control was well working also on my first day. Uh, but the automatic steering works really well, to be honest, on the highway. Um, it really sticks right in the middle of the lane and it has the preview for the full self-driving system. So you can always see which cars it detects and yeah. if it properly detects your, the lane that you're in and things like that. I've, I honestly really enjoyed driving in, in the Tesla and now I just <laughs> need to think about getting one as well, but. Uh, I mean, I've been I've been on EV since oh god, four years, five years, yeah. and it's been it's been pretty good. Uh, just got my my new E two eight last week too. Um, same one again, same yellow yeah. car, bit bit worse specs, but that's all they had. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it wouldn't go back. I just well, need my problem, well, yeah, thing. my my problem is that both of the cars that we're having, they're both still in like very good condition so it would be just stupid to sell them at the moment and we don't need a third car but i am tempted to look into like leasing an ev on on like my company yeah I that's don't know. i mean that that's what i'm doing too and it just i wouldn't mm -hmm. drive an ev either if it wasn't for the company lease because yep. you, you get so much of a tax incentive if you do mm. um but yeah works out well for me plus you've got solar i've got solar makes charging yep. very cheap yeah, I'm thinking about like increasing mine. We still would have like space for, I don't know, at least an additional nine panels on my, um, on our car garage. Um, that would be nice. Just have a bit more power there. Um, question is, well, Tesla, Teslas are, you can get a Tesla currently uh, on short notice here in Germany. That is a good thing. But is it, best ev for that price is a different question if you don't want to wait like yeah. for a year or something like that i mean i've for for me when i got my first e2a two and a half years ago um the decision was hey do i get this thing or do i get a tesla and at the time mm -hmm. the tesla re lease rates were about twice as much as the okay. Peugeot. of course not a comparable car obviously yeah. Peugeot is like a much smaller and much less powerful and simpler thing but still didn't make sense um, now I think the lease rates have come down quite a bit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like the the ID three is also quite a good contender. Uh, a friend of mine just got one the the Ma- S Max Plus Maximum mm-hmm. thing, and it's a very nice car, uh, very nice thing. I'm thinking about Not the that expensive either. The Ionic five or six X. Ooh, six is ugly, but the five is a very good car too. Um, yeah. The other one and to, I th- to cons- and I think sorry, yep, go ahead. And I think what the Ionic would support is bi-directional charging. Uh, mm, to some degree, not maybe. Not vehicle to grid, but vehicle to load. So you get like the little outlet adapter where you can plug in a fridge or a, a table saw okay. or something, but it doesn't feed or back my house. Grid. Well, um, <laughs> Technology Connections did a video about that, where he ran okay. off of his uh, Ionic 5 for, I think, a day or two and just had okay. the kitchen and the fridge and, and everything running off of that. Uh, technology Connectors on the, on the extra ah, channel. Okay. Um, went really well. Um, I think it tripped the fuse once, uh, okay. which is overload protection, but uh, totally doable in in case of like power outage or something. Doable. Okay. Uh, the other car that I'm maybe looking into because we've got we've got two of these. We've got the Zoe and we've got the E two eight, and the the Zoe is running out in October, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at getting like an MG five. Mm. which is the Chinese Saic Saic um, car yeah. and it's like price wise it's it's under 40 grand um, mm. l- minus incentives so you get a lot of car for your money uh, yeah. and it has a trailer hitch optional yeah. so that that might be something <laughs> to look into as well is your BMW still sticking around or did no, you finally no, get I, rid of it I, I sold that I think two or three years ago okay uh, I thought uh, you still had that. No, 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 no. I had that for a while after I got the Leaf. Yeah, I had the Leaf and the and the three series, but then the three series got replaced mm. by the uh, by the Zoe. Okay. Um, yeah, I I did the math, and that three series, which was a three year old, was a twenty fifteen. Yeah, so it wasn't that old. Um, three twenty D touring. Um, that cost me more per month than the lease rates on the brand new E208. Okay. Just in, in servicing and replacement parts and mm. taxes and, and stuff. So totally make financial, made financial sense to go EV there. Yeah. Of course, cool. bigger car. Yeah. I, I will need to take, take a look at that at some point. No need to... <laughs> I need to take a look at my financial situation again because I spent so much money on the trip and stuff like that. Didn't you have a sponsor for that? I did, but it's, it still would have made more sense to just do like in the same amount of time two videos and stay at home because like flight, car, hotel, everything. I think I paid currently out of my own po- pocket for that trip something around 3000 bucks. Just for a week of yeah, fun. but you, you also did the extra hop to to San Francisco, yeah, Los Angeles, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, same same thing. West Coast summer. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's gonna give some. That's gonna get some comments. Yeah, Portland, uh, Portland, Seattle. same. Ah. Well, at least we, at least you, at least you stayed in the same in the same state. Yeah, and and one of the reasons that that I got there was uh, I did like my my first I don't my first collab video, and I think my most anticipated one at least for myself. So I 
Uh, I have already been on the like safety third podcast at the end of last year with like William Osman, Alan Pan, Backyard Scientist, um, Nile Dread, all of yeah. like my my science YouTuber rock stars. Uh, which on and I'm fanboying here. Um, I just was an amazing experience for me. And um, yeah, one of the things that that I did, I went to uh, to Will last week. Um, and we did a small collab video, which But you probably can't disclose what it was about. Um, I kind of can disclose that because it, I also like teased it a bit on 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 tw Twitter in the past. I so mean, it's the, the the stuff that that William Osment does isn't like super high profile usually, <laughs> where it needs to be kept secret. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. So um, I want to bring the science back into science because. Ooh. Even even though, and this sounds probably a bit wrong. Even though Will calls himself a science YouTuber, he does the science YouTuber thing in a way more entertaining way, in compared to my like dry German engineering videos. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But he does it so well, and I so envy him for just the the the, the skill that he has there. He he is an amazing engineer, but he also is just so good in front of the camera and can yeah just can bring stuff over in a, in a different way and also just yeah. attract a, a different audience than I do but he's a he's a great youtuber yeah it's that that for sure yeah. um honestly not completely my what's what's it called my my style of videos that I enjoy yeah. watching I usually but but so it's <laughs> I I appreciate the craft and I appreciate the yeah. the stuff he does and occasionally I do watch yeah. stuff so so, so anyways, um, I, I got the science back into science and one of the types of videos that Will did in the past was egg drop contests. Right, yeah. Yeah, so um, already like three years ago, I built a prototype digital egg with accelerometers and stuff like yeah. that. We, we chatted about that briefly, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah, we chatted about that, and, but I never really had the balls to approach him and, and tell him, hey, uh, I'm this German guy and I built like a digital egg. Do you want to do a, an egg drop video with me? Well, anyway, since since I was on like the podcast at the at the end of last year, I thought, okay, this is finally the opportunity to revisit that topic again. And I built like a second version of, the, of my egg drop egg, um, more advanced because the old one was really boring, was just like, it looked like an egg but it had like digital things on the inside so you would have need to to disassemble it after the test and put the sd card into a pc and, right, and, and read everything out go through logs so, and stuff yeah ah uh, yeah um so i built a second version which it's almost really falling, falling apart. apart yeah it i was really scared getting with this one onto an airplane because i thought uh they're gonna think that it is a bomb or something like I've that i've entered airplanes with stuff looking way yeah. worse than that so <laughs> yeah i don't know but i was a bit scared it is like um a high g accelerometer it is there's also battery in there it's currently not in there um then there is then there's an sd card reader then there's a small microcontroller there are two um new pixels and there's an oled screen in the front so um what do you do with it? You like turn it on, then do your egg drop 
exterior thing. Uh, you drop it down, it recognizes the impact and it evaluates the impact. Uh, so it evaluates how were the accelerations over time and spits out a rating, how bad the impact was. And um, this allows you to have a non-binary answer out of an aircraft <laughs> test. So, and... Uh -huh. This was the thing that that we did there, and it's just standing in front in front of a camera is I I still don't feel comfortable there, uh, but I don't know. I hope the video is going to turn out okay. Uh, out okay. They but, do an amazing job with editing, so no worries. Well, I did it for my channel, so I will. Oh, they helped me shoot it's, because okay. he, he has he has a videographer, and um, so he had two cameras, uh, but. Like making a video is gonna be my thing in the end. Okay. So anything yeah. anything going up on, on William's channel? Um no, not on that. Okay. We did we we did another video when I was there um on his second channel <laughs> which you, you need to watch. It's uh we did a bit of off roading in his backyard. <laughs> it was so sketchy. It was okay. so sketchy. And that's um, that's what they're all about. Yeah. Uh, so that's on the on the extras channel. It's on the William Osmond Two channel. It's it's really nice, and I really I just really enjoyed being there. He's he's such a nice guy. It's it's always interesting if you're meeting other YouTubers, especially bigger ones, where you don't have a feeling how they are in reality. Yeah. Uh, but those guys are so down to earth, and just looking at the car that he drove, looking at the car that. Um, that Alan Pan, who was also there for the podcast recording, drove. <laughs> just showed, okay. Just Peters. <laughs> just Peters. They, they're not the guys who, who uh, like, made a ton of money and then drive their expensive cars around and things like that. No, that's that's not important to them. I'm I was really feeling bad with my Tesla being there. <laughs> with where, Well, you didn't have a choice. You had to get some sort of a rental. I did, um, I did. But yeah. But it, which is really nice being there. And um, I'm really looking forward to the um, open source event in, in July. Um, yeah. Got a bit more background there. And um, and, and that is, if you want to Google that, that is not open source, that is open source. Uh, like with what, the, what the event is brown, called. Brown source and... Yeah, yeah, yeah saucy. So you, Which you're going to be there as um, one of the stars, I guess. One of the featured creators, yeah. Um, yeah. If if they're gonna let me into the country again, why? Well, if they've <laughs> now seen know. what what are you gonna do when you're there? <laughs> you're now on YouTube. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. If I don't know, some of our listeners are interested. Check out Open Source. Um, link also down in the description it's going to be an interesting combination and it's hard to really explain it's going to be a combination of a maker fair so people exhibiting their really interesting and weird projects there um but also a bit of a vidcon where i think currently like 70 youtube creators gonna be there they're probably not all gonna be like in between the aisles and and walk over the expo all of the time but there will be talks, there will be like um, pr private sessions and smaller groups if you're booking one of the really expensive tickets, but yeah. uh, they need to pay for that in the end. Um, exactly. It's just going to be an event where you kind of have the possibility to learn a bit more about these creators that you've been watching. 
it's uh, I, I I don't think events like that, or I don't particularly identify with events where it's like putting stars, influences, whatever, yeah. like on a pedestal and being like, oh, look at mm. look at these successful people and uh, admire them. Come come to us, admire them. Book your book your selfies now for two hundred fifty bucks, which apparently some some stars are doing for like concerts where. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um if if it's that I'm like eh but I I don't think that it is going to be that sort of event even though it it has the um the makeup the makeup the the opportunity to be that sort of an, of an event if like an agency organizes it but I don't think that's the case here. No. As I said of course not everyone not all of the creators going to be on the on the event floor all of the time but they're going to be talks where you can be close to them um and it's it's going to be i don't know the best of both worlds an interesting maker fair in san francisco which i think is just like a beautiful area to to be there and and talk to other like-minded people and also an opportunity to kind of meet other creators well, yeah, other yeah. creators and, and as a viewer to meet the creators yeah. in person. Yeah, of course, for me, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be like an amazing just ne networking event, to be honest. Yeah, that too. I still don't really know how I even got to that point and I'm still feeling kind of flattered and I don't, I don't know how I'm really fitting into there, but <laughs> okay, I'm going to take it. going to be happy there. Yeah, I mean, we, we were all, uh, what's, what's it called? Uh, a, a very mixed bag of of people, very mm. you know, from from all walks of life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but that's gonna be when when is that gonna be? At pretty soon, right? End of July. July. Right. I mean, we basically all came from from nothing. Um, most of us, and I think this is also one of the reasons why many of the science creators are still very much down to earth and yeah. also enjoy see, seeing just weird and weird and interesting projects. Um, so of course you don't have, you don't only have the opportunity to visit the event itself, but if you are an exhibitor, you get free admission. But the cool thing is like Friday night's going to be a creator party at the event with all of the exhibitors. So the exhibitors, they have way more the opportunity to even meet the makers because at right. that point, no like normal people going to be there. And um, we as, a, as creators also have the opportunity to take a look at the booth and to talk to people, uh, to talk to people about the interesting projects. And I think that's, that's really interesting for both sides. Cool, cool. Yeah. Should no. we answer one last question to close this one out? Yes, let's do that. Okay, so we had the the Tesla topic with the with the LiFePo FePo lithium iron phosphate uh, batteries in there, and um, Max, which I don't think is his real name, is uh, <laughs> asking about my my battery project. Hey, if you buy so many B grade lithium iron phosphate cells in Germany, how do you get rid of it? You won't ship it back to China, I guess. Um, so I, well, for, for a friend, basically, we, we built a battery, uh, DIY battery with uh, B-grade EVE cells, 230 amp hours, or 228, I don't know. 
And yeah, those were shipped from the Netherlands from they called Iken. Um and I think technically they're supposed to take him back uh, eventually. But uh, I mean, I've I've not thought about this a lot, but I think you can just return it to to recycler, and that's the end of that. I don't think it's it's mm-hmm. a huge problem getting rid of it. Plus, these cells last for like twenty years if you use them mm-hmm. normally. So that's not something I need to think about now. That's something I'm going to need to think about when I'm fifty. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but- on on that remark, and this is one of the reasons why I put it in there, I'm currently thinking about maybe, I don't know, dipping my toes into self-built battery storage a little bit. Way, way smaller than, than you did it there. What's, a, do you know a good resource to start where there are explanations on how these systems are set up, which components are in there? Uh, what do you need to to look out for? I don't know. I know that you have way more of a background in that regard, but can you recommend anything to just start at? Oh. Uh, I mean, I've I've done a lot of of uh, forum reading and looking at at application guidelines and stuff. Um, I I don't really have like a, a dedicated. <laughs> read this and you're going to be set up kind of thing the thing is also you figure out like little things as you go so for example one of the things with um thing i keep saying thing uh one of the details with lithium iron phosphate um prismatic cells so like the the aluminum can the Uh square cans is some manufacturers tell you you need to compress them so Uh That's that's actually something you don't think about. You have I've got a cell next to where I could pick one up, but basically they're they're like they're the size of like a Bible, a bit bigger than yeah. that. Um, that's the sorry, that's a weird analogy, but size fits. And because the 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 the, the face with the largest area is it's just a thin aluminum sheet, and mm-hmm. you've got your your individual not pouches but your individual cells and and layers in there, they do grow. So as mm-hmm. they charge. Um, there's a chemical process that kind of mm. likes to exert pressure. And if you don't act against that, then you only get half the life cycles out of it. Um, but there is a huge amount of, of discussion and controversy around, do you need it? Uh, do you do more harm if you compress them? Um, do you need to compress them at like 50% state of charge where they haven't expanded much? And then as they charge, they increase that force to several tons instead of the 300 mm-hmm. kilograms that you're supposed to exert on the on the mm-hmm. sides. I don't know that there's for, for, for those sort of details, there are not a lot of clear cut answers, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which kind of sucks for, for something that is as big as lithium battery storage. Mm-hmm. Um and then you, with the compression thing, you look at what, for example, Pylon Tech does, which is one of the major names in like off-the-shelf lithium iron phosphate uh, batteries. Um, they do no compression at all. They've just got pouch cells like loosely stacked in their 19-inch uh, rack case, and that's all they do. So I don't know. A lot of of those super detail, super in-depth details. Like I said, not very clear-cut answers, and probably a lot of ways you can do it right. Or better mm-hmm. than better than doing it wrong, mm-hmm. um, but like basic components, um, 
what was a bit of a help is because um, with my buddy and with my dad too, um, I was there on Sunday uh, measuring out his roof, how we can like fit. It's a bad roof shape. Uh, <laughs> lots of tiny surfaces. So it's going to be a lot of effort to, to get panels on there. But um, he's going to get storage as well. Um, and we're going to use uh, the Victron uh, ecosystem for, for mm-hmm. storage with the Pilotech batteries. Um, they have very good application nodes. Um, that explain mm-hmm. a lot about what's going on, um, at least in the grid tie side of things, because okay. connecting stuff to the grid here in Germany, bit of a bit of a pickle. You need to get devices that are certified for that. You can't just use any AliExpress special inverter. Um, they've got good application nodes, and then for batteries, uh, I like I said, no, no, no. I can point you there and read that. Uh, I mean, you need the you need, you need a BMS. Optionally, you need some sort of balancer. And then if you're going to communicate from your BMS to the inverter, to the Victron, you're going to need some adapter hardware. Yeah, but that's the basic structure. And then, of course, mechanically, with the whole pre-tensioning and building a a case that's not going to catch on fire, that's a a different thing in its entirety. Well, the thing is, I I, I think I would have been really scared of just normal lithium-ion batteries that I burn my house down, but I feel more comfortable with the lithium iron phosphate batteries. And I think they might be an opportunity to, to learn something new. I don't know. I yeah. was just a thought that I had this the, weekend. The, the cool thing with the, I've so for five years now, I think it was when I got my first solar system. Um, I did get the LG Rezo 10 H, um, which is a NCM traditional lithium, uh, battery, uh, nearly 10 kilowatt hours and like a half a year ago i read something about like hey yeah one of these guys exploded like <laughs> didn't just burned up but literally exploded and blew out the windows out of the the house that it was built uh, or installed in and i'm like yeah that's cool that's a commercial storage solution that i've got on the wall here nice to know i'm sitting on the bomb which oh, yeah. is again which is rare and shouldn't happen but it's just something yeah it, when stuff goes wrong it it, it doesn't go wrong this was kind of my yeah. feeling when I when I sat in my in my Tesla with like 140 kilowatts of of power being pumped under like my butt, which was an interesting feeling at first. I think you kind of need to get used to that and just also start realizing how much power that really is and how much power you you, you basically put like the power we need in a week in our own house in your yeah. car in half an hour or 45 minutes. You, you don't get that sense of scale when you just at the yeah. pump for 30 seconds and you fill up yeah. uh, <laughs> however many kilowatt hours of, of energy that is. Yeah. 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 But yeah, DIY batteries. Uh, the thing with, with lithium iron phosphate, the, the biggest risk is cable fires. That's mm. that's really the thing because the, the cells themselves are quite safe. Um, when mm. they do fail, when they do vent, it's hot steam coming out essentially, mm. but they don't blow up, they don't mm. start a fire. Um, yeah, but getting getting the wiring safe, getting it properly fused, that's the, the more important stuff there. Yeah. Cool. I guess that's it for, for today. Finally, we, we found the time again to... Yeah, missed, shoot another episode, Mister Worldwide, traveling over the world. No, no more time for podcast. Yeah, uh, well, I did two podcasts when I was in the US, and I felt really sorry of not not doing one right here. <laughs> no worries, 
but we keep you guys supplied with content even if it's uh irregular um mm. hope you enjoyed this one uh if you want to support us as always there's links to stefan's and my patreon in the description below uh do we, I, I i can never remember whether we have memberships enabled on this channel but we no but you no? can do super chats super chats yeah tips super Sup comments super tip, super tip, thanks th yeah um get subscribed share it with your friends stefan thank you for taking the time thank you for yours ah good tap water and we will see you all in the next one. Bye. Bye-bye.